Uh, so, Lori, I'm going to invite Lori Warner to come up and speak this morning. You can clap for her. And I love hearing Lori, but I'm going to go hang out with the kids. So, bless you. Have fun. Okay, see ya. <laughs> you guys, let's just pray. Father, we thank you today for kids. We thank you that they are back there learning of you, worshiping you, and hearing your voice. So we just bless them right now in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you that this is Bethel. This is your house. And we're just so privileged to get to come and be with you. Thank you that you always make your home in us, so wherever we go, you're with us. But wow, how fun to come together. So we just worship you now, and we thank you for your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love for us, God. And now I ask that you would come and teach us what to do with it. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church family. This sounds really weird, but if you're visiting, you can just uh, not listen for a minute. But I just really wanted to say, I just really love you guys. And it is a privilege to find a family that doesn't want to be led astray from their pure, sincere devotion to Jesus. And I loved Randy's sermon last week. In case you didn't hear it, I'm highly recommending that you listen to the podcast because it was all about what? Jesus. The whole thing. I just sat there and wept the whole time. I'm like, he's talking about our Jesus. And what do we have to talk about anything else? I think we should just have him do it again today. It's like, that's the message. That's it right there. He's just so good, and and it's such a joy to, like this morning as we were worshiping, I felt like we were all like that line that said that he tunes our hearts. I felt like we were all in tune. Does that make sense? We had all stepped into the same river that was flowing to and from from the throne of God, right? Like we were, we were standing in it together because we all wanted the same things. You know what I mean? How great. And then as I was just, just so thankful for that and just receiving just his love, just being poured down, just like that river, I was just like all of a sudden reminded that he wants the river to go out there. And I remember a picture that Randy and Jane had had years ago. But there was a river, right? And it came right down the center aisle, but it went right out the door. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's time. It's time to take it out there. And I know that we do. I know that each of you do on a daily basis. You're out there loving people, and you are out there caring for people. You're out there telling them about Jesus and inviting them to the food pantry. And I know that we're doing it. But I'm telling you, there's a grace, I think, today and moving forward for us to do it with even more love and more power. I think that's what he's saying today. It's time. It's time because guess what? Not only does that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God come for you and for me, his heart longs for those who out there who don't know it yet. He, He wants them to know it. He wants them to receive it, to know that they could never earn it and they don't deserve it, but still he gave his life away. Right? You guys, what do we do with this reckless love that just overwhelms us? So we're like, I don't even know what to do. I was with Rachel one time. She's like, I just feel like I'm going to explode. I'm like, we know what that feels like, right? Well, this is what we're supposed to do with it. I think 
Maybe this is the job of a teacher. I don't know. I hope so. But we're just supposed to take it out there. We're supposed to now go out there and love. No matter what. No matter what. And that is uh, right in line with what I've heard him say to me all week long as we're talking. Um, So we're talking, we're, we're in this series on Daniel, right? We've been studying the life of Daniel. Not this Daniel, the Daniel from the Old Testament. And, and the title of the sermon series is Courageous Presence. Okay? So our prayer at the end of the series is that you and I would become, just like Daniel, a courageous presence not only here with one another, but out there in the world where a culture needs some courageous presence of God, right? That's where it's needed even more. And, and that's the hope that as we study these things together here and we spend time worshiping and being in his presence transformed as we behold him, that we would then become courageous presences out there wherever we are. Randy defines courage as this. Let's see if it's up here. Courage is doing the right thing, no matter what, and letting God be God. So if you're like me when I think, oh, yeah, we need to go tell everybody about Jesus. Dang it, I've tried that. You know, or it's so hard. Or I've got people in my office, I've got people in my extended family, in our neighborhood, and I've tried to tell them about Jesus. Are anybody else tried? And sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it feels like the culture is kind of dark and like, it's kind of hard. Anybody else? And we've kind of hit some walls. So here's what I think that the Lord wanted to take us a further step today to give us an empowering and a new ability to love with empower and take that love out there. Here's what it is. Courage today is doing the right thing with the right heart, no matter what, and letting God be God. Okay, do you see the difference? Okay, it's one thing for us to go out there and do the right thing, to be the presence of God and to live a righteous and holy life, to know the truth that sets us free, right? But if I'm not loving the people that I'm with, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh, so I think the key, this is what he helped me with this week, so I don't know if it helps you or not, but Lori, he said, love must be sincere, it's got to be sincere. It's got to be real, Lori. I really, really, and I felt it this morning. I was so thankful for the grace to really feel his heart that longs for them out there. Because he created every one of them. And inside every one of them is an image of God. And he longed for them, too, to jump into the river of his overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. Right? Because it makes the party bigger. It brings everybody home to the family. That's what he wants. And so our love, that's what, man, I just heard the Holy Spirit say it this week, even before it made sense to me. Our love has got to be sincere. You see, people, they can, you guys, we all can spot a fraud coming a, a million miles away. You know, it's like you got, you get a phone call or you're talking to somebody. It's like, yeah, I know you want something. And there seems to be less receptivity to what we want to give when we are coming with an agenda. 
And I know I tried. I'm, obviously, I have a little bit of passion. So in my early years, when I would tell people about Jesus, I was like, how can you not want this? And I, I think, but I, I think I had an agenda. Like, if I'm going to do this for you, if I'm going to love you and spend time with you, then you're going to come to know Jesus. Now, I want that to happen. But I'm realizing that my call is to just go love them. No matter what. Do you see the difference? It's changed me. It's, it, I'm still in process. But it's making a difference. And I believe that's where the power is. Because that's when we come into alignment with God's heart. And instead of us being over here and him over here, boom, we come into alignment. And his love and his power is able to just come and pour through us in a new way that transforms people and everything around us. Because we're aligned with his heart that just loves He just loves. And then people are drawn to that love. It doesn't mean that there's not a place for me to speak. There is. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell them where this love is coming from. But first and foremost, my love must be sincere. I I had a transformation when I read The Shack a few years ago. Anybody that knows me is like, I just wish you'd stop talking about The Shack. But I just love it so much. Because here's why. It taught me that I can, there's a line in there that just like, changed my life. It said, you are free to love without an agenda. And I'm like, well, you know, shouldn't we expect, you know, no, just go love, just go love. I think it'll, I think it not only will be us aligning with God's heart because it's a sincere love, but I also think it will change not only the person in front of us, but the whole culture around. You guys, I'm here today to tell you some good news. God wants to change the culture around you. God wants to do it through you and through me. I have had enough of, we are in dark days. The culture is hopeless, and I feel helpless. Now I do at times, but here's the good news. It's time to get our hopes up, as Chris Valentin says. And now my son Clay is reminding me all the time, Lori, it's mom, mom, it's time to get your hopes up. And I'm like, he's right. They're both right. It's time to realize that God's, I mean, like we're in these situations, right? Like you're at work and you're like, it's just so dark here and I just can't wait till five o'clock. Or you're in your neighborhood. It's like, how long do I have to stand here and talk to this person? Because, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I mean, let's be honest, right? It's, something, it's not easy. And, and we're, we look at the news. Oh my gosh. And we're like, it's, our culture is, it is, it is dark. Here's the good news. You're the light. Could it be that you and I are placed in the situations that we are in for such a time as this? And that actually, instead of wanting us to just put in our time, God wants us to pour ourselves out right there because he intended for you to be the one to bring change to that culture, to that person. Could it be that instead of wanting to go change schools because I'm the only Christian here, or instead of I want out of this job because I feel like I'm the only one here who even knows about God, that you just go, maybe I'm here to love these people. So they asked me why. You guys, this is what Daniel did. It's a story. I, I just, I, I'm a big context person, so I just had to sit down and read the whole book of Daniel this week, and it's really good. You should read it. Now, keep in mind, it's not in chronological order, and it'll mess you up. So we're going to talk about chapter 6 today, but it's good to realize the, the context of Daniel's life. If you look at from beginning to end, this is his, his M.O. He just loved 
And he served and he poured himself out no matter what. No matter what. And do you know what happens for the kings and the kingdoms that he served? They went from being godless societies to the king standing in front of all the crowds and saying, I say that all praise and glory be to the living God of Daniel. I mean, how great if someday, like, you have a Christmas party and everybody in your company stands up and goes, we just now want to say, you know, all praise be to Jesus. This is not out of reach. In other words, we can make a difference. We can change the culture around us one person at a time if we are loving sincerely. All right. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. And we are going to... Um, we're going to actually read probably one of the most familiar stories that you've ever heard, Daniel in the lion's den. <laughs> so let's just do it. Okay, let me just say one other thing first before we go into it. Keep in mind that Daniel was raised in Jerusalem as an Israelite young Jewish boy. And I just want you to know one thing. When those children were raised in that culture... They were taught, before they probably could even read or write, the Shema. Am I saying that right, Mary Lou? The Shema. Every Israelite person was taught this, especially the young boys. They were to memorize it when they were like three, four, five years old. And here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our Lord, is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then the parents were encouraged, you guys, you talk about this with your kids when you're walking along the road and when you get up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, when you're uh, eating and when you, uh, everything you do, like post it on your doorposts, this is it. They were taught from a very young age, there's one God and you are to love him with everything. It permeated all of who Daniel was. We need to know this because this is the man who was plucked out of his normal life and everything that he had ever known and thrown into a society where they didn't know anything about God. In fact, they laughed in his face and they was in the cruelest, most terrible culture known to man at that time. But Daniel holds on. It says in chapter 1, he resolved. He's going to follow and love his God with all his life. And that's what I want you to look for. How does he love God with all of his life? Okay. Now, Darius is now the king of the Medes, okay? So when he first is captured, he serves King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar goes away, and then actually another king, and then the, the Babylonians are actually overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. So this is clear toward the end of Daniel's life. He's like 70, 80 years old at this point in chapter 6, Okay. Now we're ready. It pleased King Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Okay, so are you tracking? Daniel, or Darius is setting up a new kingdom. He's got 120 guys over the provinces. This is of the known world, by the way. And then he takes three guys and says, you're over these 120. And then something happens. What, what does this tell us about Daniel? That the king has decided to set Daniel over everything. What does that tell us about who Daniel was and how he lived his life? He so distinguished himself by his, everybody say exceptional qualities, exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him 
over the whole king. What does that tell us about the relationship between King Darius and Daniel? Okay, let's go on. At this, the administrators and the satraps, they didn't like it. They tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. These are his peers. In his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. Like they want to throw him under the bus at this point, okay? Why does Daniel always get the promotion, you know? And so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. I'd like to propose to you this morning that that is what love looks like. (laughs) What? It's more than a feeling. It's living our whole life for the glory of our God and doing the right thing and loving with the right heart no matter what and then letting God be God. And that's what Daniel did. Now, I also want to point out there that Daniel, in his job from age teenager all the way through, he, you guys, he had a secular job. He did not change the culture by going and serving in their temple or trying to convert their priests of all their gods. No, no, no. He was in politics. You know how we change the culture? From within the culture. Now, we need the intercessors to pray. But majority of us are called to be out there and in it, but not of it. He changed the culture from within. He was in the midst of a secular job for his whole life. And how do you, and you're like, oh, I just want to go into ministry. Well, great. Let's do it. Let's love God with our whole life and let's be trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. You know what this tells me is that when King Darius was looking for someone whom he could, he could really know had his back, he chose Daniel. He's like, I know this guy cares about me. You understand what I'm saying? Like you wouldn't just put anybody in charge of your whole kingdom unless you knew this guy had fought for you in the past, had helped you to succeed in the past, had given his all so that you could be successful. Do we understand what Daniel is doing here? Do you know that these kings were evil? These kings were godless. They did, they did not share Daniel's beliefs or moral values. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar was one of the most evil kings to ever live. And yet Daniel poured himself out to make them succeed. He gave his best so that they would prosper. Are, are you catching the whole, woo, this is weird, right? Yeah? So he was trustworthy. In other words, when he said something, he did it. If he gave his word, he followed through. And I think the Lord is just telling us, you guys, people of God, you've received the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Go show it. Live it out. And this is how. Because we become people like our God, changed by his love. We become people of integrity, people of our word, people that other people can say, well, I can trust her. And by the way, I know she really does care about me. Yeah? It's, it's, it's love in action. The other thing is that he was neither corrupt nor negligent, meaning he didn't enter into the yuck and the gossip, much less the little cheating on taxes or the skimming off the top. No, he, he didn't take a bribe or show favoritism, but he, neither did he step back and go, I don't want anything to do with this. No, he, he was over here so busy doing his thing that he was not negligent with the things he was given. In fact, I would propose he was gave with excellence. He worked with excellence in everything he did. He didn't just put in his time. He had to have been an overachiever because he kept getting promoted and promoted and promoted. He's going to be over the whole kingdom. 
how many of us are called to work with excellence, to have a new spark within us today to go, how am I going to love the Lord my God today? By, by working today with excellence on this document that seems to have no life in it at all. But guess what? The life is in you. The life is in you to be poured out on the people around you and in the little tasks that God gives you to do. It may be changing diapers. This could be a most holy moment. You see, this is the good news of being in the kingdom of God. Everything we do is no longer secular or spiritual. It's all spiritual. It's all for him. Everything I, everything I do, I live with my whole life. I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and work, and everything. And this is the good news. This is why our hopes are up. Because I don't have to just wait till I get to church to go serve God. No, no, no. I'm serving him with everything I am. Every minute of every day, he's with me. And by the way, I can't lose because I've already won. It's just so fun to be in the kingdom when we realize who we are, and now we're learning what we go do with it. Let's go on. This is Daniel. Finally, these men said, well, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Hmm. Unless, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce this decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be changed. We can go ahead. It can't be altered in accordance with the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put this decree in writing. He's like, yeah, this is a good idea. I like it. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, what decree? The one that said that we're, he's not allowed to pray. He went and told King Darius that he was not a part of No, he didn't. He what to say. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees. And he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. There's a secret to Daniel's life right there. Then these men went as a group, and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king, and they spoke to him about his royal decree going on. Hmm, didn't you publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, <clears throat> well, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed going on he was determined to rescue daniel and he made every effort until sundown to save him what does this tell us about the relationship between king darius and daniel how had he loved this man how had they loved each other having nothing in common then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Oh, remember, O king, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, 
rescue you. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, like, everybody knew if the only weakness in Daniel was the fact that he was crazy, continually serving his God. This is what he was known for. His enemies knew it. The king knew it. Everybody knew it. So evidently, it was not some secret that he kept. Evidently, he was not ashamed of the good news about his God. Evidently, they all knew it's what he was known for. And so I heard the Holy Spirit say to me this week, Lori, so what are you known for? What are, what are we known for? Wouldn't it be great if the worst thing that people could find out about us is that we were so crazy continually serving our God? Wouldn't it be amazing? Okay, going on. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace, and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? Do you feel his heart? I mean, think about the pregnant pause there. And what does he hear? Daniel answered him, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. You see the connection. Then the king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because why? Let's say it together. He had trusted in his God. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples. Can everybody say all? Nations, all nations and all men of every language throughout the land. And he said this, may you prosper greatly. Going on, I issue a decree, this is a new decree, that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, and his dominion, ha, never end, that's right. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the next king, the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You guys, let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are still the God who rescues and saves. You have not changed and you never will. You are now not only Daniel's God, you are our God. And we just thank you that there is no situation that cannot be changed in your kingdom. There is nothing that we face like a lion's den that you cannot come and rescue us and save us. And you send your angels still. You still perform mighty acts in the heavens and the earth below. We have seen them and we glorify you for them and we ask for more. And we thank you, God, that this is still who you are. And we just say we love you with everything in us. We pray that somehow through our lives, a whole decree might go out to our world, the world that we live in, and people might see that you are the living God. In Jesus' name, we're going on now. And here's what we're going to do. I want to make this real. Like, let's just put it in modern day times, okay? 
Because to understand that he loved the king and the king loved him, I, I want us to think about this was an evil kingdom, okay? So imagine with me for just a second that this situation occurs, and I want to be clear, this will never happen, okay? I'm going to talk about, like, let's say that our worst fears were to come true. So I want to make sure you're saying, I'm saying this is uh, fiction, all right? This is a fictional story. But let's put yourself in it for just a second, okay? Our worst fears come true. And let's say that our worst enemy, like ISIS, comes to the United States, and they take over. Now they've come to Indianapolis, and they destroy our city and our homes, and they take you, and they kidnap you, and they pluck you away from your family, everyone that you know and everyone that you love. And let's say for just a minute that they take you far across the ocean. You don't know what has happened. You fear the worst for your loved ones back there. And they take you through the desert up into some remote island, mountains. And you have no cell phone. You have no internet connection. You have no computer. You are completely cut off from everyone and everything that you've ever known for the rest of your life. You are now in the culture of ISIS. And they're going to immerse you in this culture because they want you to learn their ways they want you to be indoctrinated into their beliefs they want you to know their god and they want you to learn to serve that god and all this is for the purpose so that you will be enlisted into the service of the leader of isis and that is now your job for the rest of your life Now it's real. Now, how in the world do I not give in to anger and bitterness? How do I not hate this king, much less love him sincerely? Do you guys know that we can't do this? It is impossible. The people around us have hurt us. The people around us have betrayed us the people around us are sometimes just they just live in evil they're so broken that it is real you guys we can't love but god unless we immerse ourselves in this overwhelming never-ending reckless loving of god and we get on our knees uh, symbolically or real three times a day and we give thanks to the one who has never changed and who never will who is with us always and promises to rescue us and restore us to our families someday to everything that was stolen from us someday to everything that was ripped away from us someday we put our faith there we put our faith in the one who is trustworthy because everything around us appears to be a sealed tomb doesn't it you guys, we have hope. This is hope that in the midst of the very, very worst, somehow God imparted a love to Daniel that said, Daniel, love me with everything you've got by going and loving the people around you. Keep loving me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving even the evil king that you serve. And we know that this is true because at one point, Daniel uh, is serving Nebuchadnezzar. This is earlier in Daniel's life, right? Remember this? And he says, would you interpret this dream for me, Daniel? So Daniel comes in to this evil dictator, and he says, oh, I see your interpretation. And the king says, well, tell me what it is. And Daniel, 
he's just been alerted to the fact that this interpretation says that this king is going to be thrown out of his kingdom. He's going to lose his mind and wander insane with the wild animals for seven years. Now, if it were you and for me, I'm sorry, but I would say, yes, it's about time, wouldn't we? But do you know what? If we really, really love people, we don't ever want them to suffer. I'm saying this to myself. You know, what is it that 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love does not rejoice with the wrong, but rejoices in the truth. You see what sincere looks like? Sincere looks like I really love you. And I really don't agree with anything that you are doing. And I really hate everything that you have ever done. But I can love you. How? How did he do this? How in the world can you and I do this? Well, I think that there are just a few things that Daniel teaches us. So if we go on. In prayer, which Daniel did three times a day, however often you do it, this is what I learned. That before Daniel ever opened his mouth to defend He opened his windows to pray. When you and I get accused unjustly, before we run and make our case known, which would be my tendency, first he got on his knees, humbled himself, and he opened his windows before he opened his mouth. Number two, before Daniel stood before his problem, he kneeled before his God. You see, Daniel had all this wisdom and insight from the Lord. He probably could have come up with a solution to help Darius get him out of this solution, but he didn't. He didn't, he didn't open his mouth to defend himself, which reminds me of some other savior I know. And he also didn't go run to Darius. He actually ran to his God, and he got on his knees and humbled himself. And, and the Bible says that Daniel did two things in this passage. It says that he gave thanks, and he asked for help. I thought, well, there's a simple prayer model for us. What if I just did that? So this week, you know what I did? I put on my phone... 9 o'clock, noon, and 3 p.m., it had, I had it come up, and I had it say, give thanks and ask for help. <laughs> give thanks and ask for help. And so I tried it this week. Totally revolutionized my prayer life. <laughs> I mean, you might want to try it. It's just kind of fun. But if you really are looking for, how do I do this? How do I get to know God? Start there. Number three, before Daniel gave God grief, he gave God thanks. When I get accused unjustly and I'm facing something really scary, I tend to go to God and I go, can you even believe this? How could you let this happen? I have served you faithfully. These people, smite them, you holy smiter. You know, all those things. <laughs> but instead of giving God grief, he says that he got down on his knees and he gave God thanks. You know what that does? It changes our entire perspective. Because before he's focused on the problem, he said, I know that you are my God. You have been faithful in the past. You will be faithful in the future. Nothing is too hard for you. I give you thanks for who you are. And all of a sudden, your perspective changes. And then you can go to the place of asking for help in a place of faith. So since you're this way, I'm going to tell you about this problem I have. And I know that you can handle it. And I just right now entrust myself to you. I'm still scared about it, Lord. But now I'm in a place of asking for your help. And I know that you can save me. Number four, before Daniel asked for help from his friend, the king, he asked for help from his God, the king of all kings. And I believe that uh, it's good that I call my friends when I need help. It's good that I, you know, talk to my husband. I think all those things are good. But Daniel's first, first, first is always to go to his God. And number five, before Daniel faced the lions, he faced himself towards home and toward his God. You see, they opened the windows to Jerusalem because that's where their temple of his living God lived. If we were to open the windows, where does our God dwell now? 
right in here. We know that we can also open our windows towards heaven because that is our eternal home. But until we get to go home and be with him there, he lives right here. He says, Lori, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And I'll make my home in you. My father and I will come and we're going to live right here. And I can open my heart and my windows to you at all times. And I can face towards you before I go face the very real lions in each of our lives. It's the only way we can go face those lions is if we first face him and our home. And you know what that means to me? That means I remind myself of my eternal security, which doesn't just mean then. It means now. I'm already saved. I'm already safe in the palm of his hand. I'm already an eternal being, already made holy, perfect, righteous. I'm already accepted and beloved. I'm already secure. I've already received everything my heart has ever longed for. It's just that I have to experience it in the brokenness of this world right now. Are you with me? I've got to face him and remind myself, and I've got to look ahead. Now, my friend uh, Jane gave me or recommended this book. It's called Imagine Heaven. So guess what I've been doing the last couple weeks? I have been reading about heaven can i just highly recommend it we don't base our theology necessarily on near-death experiences but when you read a thousand of them that say basically the same thing are you with me then this author he does a really good job of going back to the word of god where we do base our theology and saying look that's what daniel saw in his vision Oh my gosh, this one thing that this Muslim man over here experienced in his near-death experience is the same thing that Ezekiel saw in his vision. Wow, look at this. There are, there are 700 accounts of a person seeing this man in white glowing and so full of love, and it matches exactly the, the vision that John was given on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation. You guys, you want to get your hopes up? Woo! I have just been on this high, like... This is my home. This is where we're going. You guys, nobody can pluck us out of his hand. And you know what that does for me today? Now when I even have to now go, okay, but I got to get up tomorrow morning. I got to go to work. I got to, I got to take care of the kids. I got to do this, this, and this. I got to face my lions. But I've already faced home. And I know that my heart is secure. I know the peace that passes understanding. I even know the atmosphere of heaven now because it lives in me. I can know perfect love and perfect acceptance now because he lives in me. The kingdom is within you. Perfect love, perfect peace that is now so overwhelming and rescues me from so many lions that I just want everybody I know to know about it. And if I want them to know about it, I want to ask for God's love to go love them and serve them sincerely. I wanted to read to you a Sean Bowles story, but I'm out of time, so I'm going to tell it to you in this, this version. This is called Translating God. This is book club month over here with Lori, right? So it's also good. Any Sean Bowles fans in the room? Okay, so Sean gets, he hears from God, and then he tells people what he hears so that they can know his heart. And his point in writing this book, Translating God, is that he, God, he believes God says all of us can do this, which is true. All of us can hear God's heart, for another person and express who God is to that person and it changes their lives. How about we just do that this week, right? Lord, what's your heart for this person? How do you see this person? That's had to, that had to be what Daniel did. I can't see anything past their behavior. Okay, help me, Lord. Oh my goodness, show me who they really are on the inside. That's how we love, right? In this one story, Sean was in South America and 
a, a guy that was, had become a friend said, my relative is the president of this company, would, pre- president of this country, this neighboring country. Would you go with me and give this guy a word? And Sean's like, well, I don't know anything about him. I don't, and he's like, please. He's like, okay, okay. So then he finds out before he goes that this is one of the most evil dictators in South America. So he's getting ready to tell this friend of his, uh, I don't think this is a very good idea. But he lays down to take a nap. And in the nap, the Lord gives him a dream. And in the dream, there's this little boy who is in an orphanage. And he'd been passed around from family to family. His parents had been terrible. He didn't know love. And in the dream, Sean's heart just breaks for this little, little boy. And he said, I remember in my dream, I just wanted to reach out and help him and tell him it's going to be okay. But I couldn't get to him. And he said, by the end of my dream, this little boy had grown up and he was now in charge of the whole orphanage. And he said, my heart was so sad. He said, I woke up from my dream and I knew it was God's heart for this dictator. So he goes with his friend with an armed guard. He said it was something like out of a bad 80s action movie. (laughs) But it was in this last 10, 15 years. Okay, and so they go. This man is. He said. He said it was unbelievable. The armed guards that were that were guarding this man, and then and this man commanded respect, and it was scary to even be in his presence. He said you could feel the hard exterior on this dictator, and he said I looked at the man. I should just read you the story. It's taking forever. <laughs> God bless our children's workers. Um, he said. I said, hello. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, you're the man of God. You've come here to pray. And he says, uh, yes, I did. And I've been uh, asking God about you. I actually want you to know that as a Christian, that God loves you. And he's put a love for you in my heart. And I really do want to pray for you from that place of love. He told me two things about you. For some reason, his heart started to warm up. He says, oh, well, what did he tell you? You know, kind of sounding amused. He told me that he was not going to help you with this dot, dot, dot plan. (laughs) Two men behind him, like he's not even allowed to say it. Two men behind him breathed in when I said it. And he told everyone to get out of the room except those two guys, him and his armed guard. Even Even the relative, my friend, left. He said, I should have been terrified, but I wasn't. And then he said, how do you know this? He says, well, I don't know anything except what God tells me. He told me that he's already also forgiven you for what happened with your daughter and the horse when she was eight at her birthday party. And that you don't have to ask him to forgive you anymore. He got tears in his eyes. He sat down, so I sat down. He hunched over for a minute. He goes, I don't know if I believe that God could ever forgive me. I ask forgiveness for my sins against my family every day to God. Sean says, I didn't think so either. But when I prayed for you, he showed me how much he still loves you and how much he wants you to know him as a father. And he's not like your father was, and you are not like his son. Then he began to cry. The two men who were still in the room were probably like generals, and they looked so embarrassed and worried for him. I will not do then the thing that you first mentioned if God is not with me. It was a war effort. There are too many politics to go into, but that was our code name for it. And as for this God loving me like a father, pray for me. I don't know this kind of love. He didn't know that I'd take him literally, so I closed my eyes and I prayed for him. (laughs) And when I finished, he shook my hands, and then he embraced me. Everyone in the room was shocked. And then he 
He sent me off, but he tried to give me money. I refused it, told him that he was here because God wanted to give him something. Later, his relative and I talked, and he filled me in on the big picture of the story. Um, I just know now uh, that God gave me a heart of love for this dictator who was continually corrupt and who had no redemptive value outside the cross. I felt like this might be a good picture for you, the reader, the listener, to know that God can use all of us to get to anyone alive if we want them to receive his love, even for only a minute. This dictator felt the love of God and hope in the midst of his terrible career and life. God wants to love the world through you and me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love even the most evil of men. We thank you that underneath and somewhere inside the most evil of men, there is an image of you because you created each one of us in your image. God, even now, would you just come, Holy Spirit, and break our hearts for the evil ones around us? Would you even come right now and break our hearts for the difficult ones around us? Would you even right now and come and break our hearts for the hardest hearts around us? Holy Spirit, would you even right now show us how much you love the people in our world? Even now, God, you're bringing faces to our minds, those who frustrate us the most, those whom we've tried and nothing has ever worked, those who have hurt us and our families. Holy Spirit, you pour out the love of God into our hearts. So right now, we just ask for a fresh wave to love those who need it the most. Give us your eyes to see past the behavior to the little boy or the little girl inside, to the image that you created, to know your original intention for their life, that you had good plans for them. Help us to not only see it, but to believe it. Help us then to speak it out over them, to pray it into them, whether they know it or not. And then, Father, give us a love that will serve those people no matter what. Give us a love that will do what is good and right and help to prosper that person no matter what. Give us a love that will come alongside and be trustworthy friends to that person no matter what. Give us a continuing love that comes only from you. We just bless you, God, that nothing is impossible for you. Love of God be poured out right now. And even give us action steps. Even right now, he's depositing things in your minds of ways that you can go love these people. And now, Holy Spirit, you are the great empowerer, so I ask that you would now empower us to go out, to take these specific steps, the next steps, in loving sincerely. Thank you, God, that you call us. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, but cling to what is good. And we bless you for your great love for us that sustains us and strengthens us and gives us eternal joy and security in the midst. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have kids in the children's area, they need to be rescued and saved. (laughs) But there are some of you out there right now, and you are still dealing with some unforgiveness. You can't even think about loving because it still hurts too much to even think about that person. Listen, I, I get that. We've all been there. But God first wants to take step one. So sometimes we need to come forgive. 
Also, there are some of you out there who are facing some real lions, some real death or scary situations, and you might need some prayer. So if there's a prayer team, there is a prayer team. Prayer team, come on up. If you need some prayer for either one of those things, to be able to go love, to face some of your lions, or even just to forgive someone, we invite you to come now. The rest of you are free to go and love sincerely everyone in your world. Amen.